Well, as I mentioned uh, this morning is uh, the starting up of, of Lent as we kind of lead into the, <clears throat> the Sundays leading before Easter as we kind of get ourselves prepared for that. And, and it's been a, a good time for us to be reminded of, of who God is calling us to become as we concentrate on, on the ways of Jesus. But it's also a good thing for us to have Mary here to be able to see the pottery being made in our midst in the midst of our worship, in the midst of our singing praise, in the midst of our uh, reflecting on Scripture together and what God is doing. Because it's a reminder to us that the call of God in each of our lives is to be transformed. The call in each of our lives is that we are this lump of clay that is needed to be molded and shaped. And the Spirit of God, the, the grace of God, comes and shapes us and molds us and gives us new life. It, it's true that we are called into God's presence. It's true that we're called to live into his goodness, but it's also true that we've been called to be transformed into his likeness. That we are not to remain the same, in other words. That as we pursue a life with Jesus, as we apprentice ourselves with him, uh, we are to, to see some transformation to happen within our lives. Our character begins to be more like Christ's character. Our, our attitudes and our mind begins to take on the attitude and the mind of Christ as we walk with him. But the other truth is also true, and that is that often we resist this. We don't want to change. We don't want to see transformation. We don't want things to be different in our life. We like how things are, the way we are, the way things happen to be. So we resist the call of transformation in our lives. And we're going to get to some of the reasons why we resist it a little bit later this morning. But this morning, because the first Sunday of Lent, it's the first Sunday where we lead into these weeks leading before uh, Easter. And for some of you, I want to invite us to purpose ourselves during the season of Lent to, to be open to the grace of God for the purpose of transformation, for the purpose of seeing character shaping in our lives, in our inner hearts, in our inner minds, in our inner souls, to be shaped and molded into the image of Jesus by the grace of God, by the hand of God, to shape and to mold us so that we're able to receive and be what God would desire us to be. But Lent is sometimes uh, new to people. Sometimes people didn't grow up with Lent and doing the Lenten season stuff. And so I want to talk a little bit about what Lent is as we lead into these 40 days before Easter. It, it starts on Ash Wednesday, which was just this past Wednesday. We typically have an Ash Wednesday service. You know this, but we had to cancel our service because of weather and things going on. But fasting or Lent also has this component of fasting during these 40 days to lead up to Easter. Fasting and prayers for the purposes of reconnecting and being rekindled with what the Spirit of God is doing, to be strengthened by God alone. We, you know that we've just finished our study in Esther, right? We, we just w went through the book of Esther, and if you remember in the book of Esther, Esther, before she goes before King Xerxes, she calls for a communal fast and prayer. For three days, she asks for everybody to fast and to pray, to connect with God, to, to seek a, a deeper connection with God. And so you see this fasting component all throughout the Older Testament, the Newer Testament, and all through church history where people of God have fasted and have prayed for a way to connect in a deeper level with God. And so this season of Lent, I'm going to encourage each of us to consider a fast of some kind, to willingly abstain from something 
physically abstain from something, and when our stomach grumbles or our desire goes to the thing that we are fasting from, may it be a reminder to you of your need for God's grace, for your need for the work of Christ and the sufferings of Christ on the cross for you. And so when you enter into that, that just simply uh, let that be a reminder of our need for God. And may it draw you into a deeper life with Him. But we're also reading through a book together during Lent. Many of you I know have downloaded this book. It's out of print, unfortunately, but you can download it on Kindle. You can even do it this afternoon. I know a couple of people are going to do that from the first service and be able to do that. But Kai Mark Nielsen's book, Renew Your Life, is the book that we're going to kind of go through collectively. Now, we're not going to cover the entire book. We're not going to go chapter by chapter. We're not going to do it that way. It's just going to serve as kind of the foundation, the kind of groundwork of what we're going to build the services from and what we're going to talk about. So I just encourage you to read through the book, and as you do, then you might be able to deepen the conversation and deepen your life with God as we go from there. But this morning, what I want to do, kind of the job I want to lay out, is just to kind of introduce this notion of transformation in our lives and what God may be inviting us to, to kind of have a vision for what this might look like in each of our lives, to kind of sort of an introduction to the topic. And in the weeks to come, we'll get very, very specific of some of the practices, some of the things we can do to see this new life, this transformation occur in our everyday, ordinary lives. So the issues that we've been facing this last year, this last 2020 and leading into 21, these issues have, have had this sense just kind of collectively as a community, not only as a church community, but in a broader sense, our community, just kind of this collective result of depleting our energies. We're just tired. We're worn out. We're kind of beat up. We're kind of done with all the various things that we have to do, all of the, the stuff, the, the restrictions that are over us, just have this way of sapping out all of our energies. We're, we're just kind of relationally, emotionally, physically tired. We're just tired, right? So what we want to do during this series is to remind us to see the renewable, ever-present, eternal energy that is God's grace that is available to us, that as we cooperate with His Spirit in our lives, it empowers us to live more faithfully, more abundantly, more joyous, more life-giving ways that's actually possible, even in the midst of all the depleting things around us, even in the midst of all the things that kind of crumble around us, that kind of sap out all of our energy, it is still possible to live abundantly, fruitfully, faithfully, joyously, lives when we find ourselves connected to the eternal renewable grace of God that is renewed every morning for us, available for us right now. So as we kind of start with this little introduction, let me ask you a a simple, kind of profound and maybe even redemptively disruptive question for you this morning. I want you to think about and hold on to as we go through this morning. If you had to describe the condition of your soul, how would you describe it? If you had to describe your inner life, the the inner workings of your soul, how would you describe it? What words would you use to describe the condition of your soul? Do you find within yourself, within your inner self, do you find within yourself this wellspring of eternal energy where you just have plenty of energy 
for the day? Do you find within yourself this wellspring of joyous energy that's, that your heart and your soul and your, and your inner life is just filled and abundant right now? Or do you find yourself depleted? Do you find your soul tired these days? And right at the beginning of the series, right at the beginning of the message this morning, I want to say as clearly as I possibly can, it is God's desire that we experience in whatever life circumstances we may find ourselves in, that we experience the abundant life, joyous, eternal life, the energy that comes from God and a life with God that gives us the ability to move about and live and do what God has called us to do with the energy that God gives us. This abundance, joyous, this wellspring of energy, of grace, of power to live, even in the midst of all the things we have to go through. It is available. It is available. It's exactly what Jesus came to proclaim. It's exactly what Jesus came to give us. This is what he describes in John chapter 10, verse 10, when he says, I have I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. That you would have life to the full. So Jesus describes in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 29, who says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, or if I could say it, that, that your souls are depleted of energy, if I could say that. Come to me, all of your souls are depleted, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and the burden I give is light. See, the life that God has come to give us, the life that God has come to offer us, not only in the joyous times, but even in the pandemic times, the life that God has called to give us is one of abundance, one of joy, one of restfulness, one of fruitfulness, one of faithfulness. But for many of us, what we experience these days is one of depletion, one of exhaustion, one where the, the cares of this world are, are so overwhelming to us that we just find ourselves almost buckling under all the pressure and under all the issues. And what I want us to do this morning and leading into the series is to take strides to rediscover the wellspring of God's energy in us. The wellspring of God's grace and to make ourselves available to receive the grace and the power of God to not only transform our lives, but to revitalize us with energy, with joy, with abundance, to go to the things that God has before us with this abundance in our life, with this joy in our life. Now the people of Israel, God's people throughout all of history, the people of Israel have gone through their own periods of dark, burdensome, wearisome, dark times in their own history. One of those times was known as the exile. It was about 500 years before Jesus came on the scenes. The Babylonians came in and they raided Israel and they, they took the people into exile, into what's known as the Babylonian exile. You might remember if you're familiar with the stories of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
Those are stories of people that happened, Israelite people that happened during the Babylonian exile where they were ripped away from their families, where they're under an oppressive regime, where they were burdened and they were tiresome, they were wearisome. And yet they were called to live with this abundant, joyous, life-giving energy that comes from our understanding of God. And during these times of dark seasons of the Israelite people, they often turned to the prophets. They turned to the prophets to give them reason to press on. Why is it that we can press on and have joy and have abundance in our life? Why is it that we continue to pursue after the things of God when all around us is burdensome and our souls are depleted? Why do we pursue And over and over and over again in the scriptures, the prophets remind the people of the nature of God and why it is that we can pursue a life with him. And over and over again, the prophets remind the people of Israel of the God of creation. They remind them of this God who spoke the universe into existence. Why? Because if God could create it then, he could recreate it in us. Why? Because when God can make something out of nothing, he can make something out of what feels like nothing in our life. And so the prophets over and over again draw the people's attention back to the nature of God that is seen in the creation. That's what we hope to do as well. To draw our attention back to the renewable, eternal grace, power, energy of God that is available to us. The question is, as it was with the Israelite people, are we responsive? Are we available? As the clay is underneath Mary's hands, are we able to be shaped and molded or do we resist? Do we resist the grace, the power, and the energy of God that seeks to bring us abundant life, joyous, eternal, and restful, or do we resist it or do we make ourselves available? There's a wonderful passage in Ezekiel chapter 37. So if you're a note taker, that's one you may want to make note of. Ezekiel chapter 37 is one of these prophets who's describing why is it that we can come back to this God, this this energy that that is God's. And God gives them this vision of this valley of these dead, dry bones with no life in them at all. And the Spirit of God tells Ezekiel, I want you to prophesy over these bones. I want you to tell them of my nature. I want you to tell them of the life that is available to them. Can any life come out of these dry bones, God says. And Ezekiel goes, you know, no, draw, no life can come from these. These are dead, dry, gone. It's, it's done. The energy has been depleted from them. And God says, I want you to prophesy over them anyway. And so he does. He speaks over this valley of dry, dead bones. And as he speaks over it, the Bible says that God's spirit breathes back into these dry and dead bones. And those which were dead and dry and weary and broken, new life came back to them. And bones came to bone and marrow came to marrow and muscle came around them. And life restored again. And God tells the prophet Ezekiel, this is like the people of Israel. That they are burdened and weary and they are dry and broken bones. But the Spirit of God will come and breathe new life into them. And where there once was dead bones, there will be new, re-energized, revitalized life. Because the Spirit of God is in them. The Spirit of God is in them. Friends, when we make ourselves available to the Spirit of God, where our energy, our soul may be sapped of energy... The Spirit of God can renew and revitalize and re-energize us to live abundant, joyous, fruitful, faithful lives even when it feels like all things are 
coming undone. But when we go our own way, when we resist the nature of God, when we resist the grace of God in our life, when we seek to do it on our own, well, we'll quickly be depleted of energy. We'll quickly be depleted of any kind of life source energy that needs to give us the the power to go through our day. And over these next few weeks, we're just going to explore some of the practices we can do to make ourselves available to the grace of God that is ours in Christ. But before we do that, before we do that, we see this vision that that God seeks to breathe new life in us, to re-energize us, to to have uh, this wellspring of of eternal goodness and, and life in our bones. There's still reasons that we say no. Roadblocks, if you will. Fears that we have that stop us from experiencing this wellspring, this life that God has given us. And it's this that I want to pay attention to this morning. That's what Mark, uh, Kai Mark Nielsen brings out in his book, some debilitating distortions that stop us from receiving what God would give us. And as I go over these things, as I talk through each one of these things, when you add to the question with the condition of your soul, how would you describe the condition of your soul, add to it another question. Do one of these that I talk about this morning, do one of these fears or one of these things in my life, are they, are they one reason why I'm not experiencing the vibrant, eternal life that God has come to give me? Are one of these distortions true of my own heart, and my own life? So the first roadblock or distortion that we talk about is the, the distortion of superficiality. Or if you want to say it in a fear-wise, fear way, it's the fear of vulnerability. Fear of vulnerability. See, in order to be filled with the Spirit of God, in order to be filled with the energy from God, from His grace, we have to be willing to be open enough to admit our need for God to come in and to speak life into us. We have to be willing to admit our need for God to speak new life, to speak some transformation in our lives. We have to be vulnerable enough with God and with a trusted brother or sister to bring them into the story, to be vulnerable enough to see what God would do in us. We have to be admitting enough that we don't have it all together, that we don't have it all good. And if I could just go back to draw your attention back to the working of the clay. Because the clay has to be open to the shaping hands of the potter, of Mary. The clay has to be open and be receiving what the hand of Mary is going to shape it and to make it into be. And if we are going to receive the breath of God in our own life, we have to be willing to admit our need for him. Admit it to God and admit it to another trusted brother or sister. But sadly, superficiality is a disease in our day where we are masters at pretending that everything is okay. It looks good on the outside. And when someone says, hey, how are you doing? We're good. Oh, I just hit that. That's not good. That's good. Jeez. We're masters at pretending. When someone says, hey, how are you doing? We just say, oh, good. When in reality, our inner hearts, our inner souls, our inner being is hanging on by a thread. And we're not good. But rather than being vulnerable, rather than opening up to a trusted brother or sister, or even opening up to God and and honestly being prayerful with Him, we just say, we're good. 
And, and we skip along the surface like a smooth stone on a smooth lake. Superficiality is a disease in our day, and it will roadblock us from experiencing the grace of God in our life to renew and revitalize us when we remain superficial. I was on a webinar this past week, and we're talking about the need to care for our souls, care for that inner part of us, especially during these pandemic times as as leaders, as pastors, the the need to care for our, our souls and to lead people to do that. And one of the common parts of that conversation, one of the common threads in that conversation was the need to be vulnerable and honest with ourselves, with God, and with others. But there's a fear of vulnerability that all but paralyzes us from receiving what God would give us. We have a fear of this, and it stops us. I wonder if that's a fear that you struggle with. And perhaps that's one of the reasons why your energies these days have been depleted because we just answer, well, I'm good. I'm good. Second distortion that Nielsen points out is the seduction for more. Or to say in a fear perspective, it's a fear of not having enough. Or I'm not, I'm not enough. I'm not being enough. Or I don't have enough. See, in our culture, never, nothing is ever enough. There's this constant striving for more, more things, more things to do, more activities to do and everything else. And that more just completely depletes us of energy. Being this hamster on the wheel that's constantly moving for more and more and more and more, it just depletes our energy. It's not restful that Jesus describes in Matthew 11. It's not this eternal rest that our souls desperately need that we've been hardwired for. We're with the seduction for more, to have more, to be more, to do more. It leaves us depleted of our energy. And equally depleting is when we bring that mentality of having more or doing more into our life with God. And we look at our following of Jesus and we say, well, we'd be a better Christian if we did more for God. If we served more, if we went to church more, if we read the Bible more, if we prayed more, if we stood and lifted our hands and worshiped more, if we clapped our hands more, if we, if we did things more, if we just did more for God, then I'd be a better Christian. And I'd be a, a better life and a more abundant life if I just did more for God, if I was being more for God, if I served and I did everything more, more, more. We have the seduction thinking that more will satisfy, and in reality, all the more just depletes us of our energy. And we could be doing really good things, serving and caring and doing more good things, all the while not finding the rest that our souls need, and we find ourselves depleted of energy, depleted of life-giving energy. We find ways to just try and do more for God. We're, we're trying to impress Him by what we can do rather than just receive who he says we are. We try to impress him by all the things we can quote and all the various things we can do rather than just receiving and resting in who we are. And our souls are depleted. I wonder if that's your story. If one of the reasons why you're finding your soul depleted is because you have just found yourself seduced by this concept of more. Be more, do more, have more. And we find our souls thirsting and depleted as a result. Third distortion that we want to talk about, and it's kind of tied to the seduction of more, but it's this pace of life. 
And if you want to talk about it in a fear perspective, it's FOMO, right? The fear of missing out, where you just have to be involved in everything. Someone's having a conversation, I got to be over there. Someone's doing something, I got to do that. Uh, there's, there's an activity going on there, I got to be over there. I, I, I don't want to miss any of those things, so I got to go and be a part of all those things, which keeps me running at a pace that really is unsustainable, especially for our souls. We run at a pace that is so quick and so hurried that is unsustainable for our souls. When we are stretched so thin, we are incapable of receiving what God would give us. And we run on our own strength. We run on our own abilities. Friends, can I just tell you, that's a recipe for burnout. That's a recipe for burnout emotionally, relationally, professionally, and spiritually. When we run at such a high pace with no rest, with no room for margin, it's a recipe for burnout. And while Jesus had many things going on in his life, while he had lots of things to do, while he had things to, to go, people to see, people to heal, teaching, and all that, you never get the sense that Jesus is in a rush. You never get the sense that he's hurrying along the way. You never get the sense that Jesus looks at his disciples and says, hey guys, let, let's hurry it up. Let's go. Let's go. Come on. Come on. You never get the sense that he's hurried. In fact, he's off walking to heal somebody, and some woman has the audacity to interrupt him to seek a healing and what does he do? He turns around and he spends time with her. He's got room for interruption. He's got room for people. He's got room for that which he didn't really plan on. He's never hurried. He's never hurried. And we know that, right? We talk about this often. We say that we must learn to ruthlessly rid ourselves of hurry. To ruthlessly rid ourselves of hurry. We know this. Like in our mind, we know that. But we've also lived under this pace of life for so long that many of us think that you just cannot, you can't even imagine an alternative. That's just the way it is. That's how people live. That's just the way it has to be. We have to live at such a high pace, such a redlining of our life. I just want us to know. I want us to know really clear that when we make ourselves available to the way of Jesus, when we make ourselves available to him, not only is there an alternative to this high, fast-paced way of life, not only is there an, a, a possibility of that which we are longing for, that it is possible for us to actually live an alternative way. And we will find rest, and we will find that it is good, and we will find that it is abundant and joyous. We will find that when we follow Jesus and we learn from him. We learn from him. Fourth, debilitating distortion, and that is the quick fix mentality. Or again, if I say it in the fear perspective, it's the fear of uncertainty. So we have issues that come up in our life, spiritual issues or financial issues or relational issues. We have issues that come up in our life, and we want them fixed like that. We want three quick steps to a healthy marriage, right? We want to know how to raise your kids in five easy steps. Read this one book and your kids will turn out fantastic. Let me know where that goes. We want quick fixes all the time. And we want things quickly resolved. We have an uncertain, we don't like things uncertain. We don't know, we don't like things where we don't know how it's going to go. 
So we want to fix it so we know how it's going to go. We don't like it just kind of laying out there. We want to make sure it takes care of things. Can I just tell you that that's not how growth happens? Growth never happens in a quick fix kind of way. There's a process to growth. Especially in the spiritual life, there's a process to where God is growing and shaping us. Again, just think about the pottery that we have this morning. While it would be really great for us to just imagine the finished product immediately, to see the lump of clay and just see what it's going to be like immediately, notice how Mary is shaping it, that her hands don't go quickly up the bowl or up the jar. They go slowly. There's a process. And as you trust the process, a new image emerges. As you enter into the process, rather than a quick fix mentality, as you enter into the process coupled with the Spirit of God and you walk alongside, there's a new form that's shaping. But we live in a culture of immediate results. And that hinders us from receiving what God would give us. Because we want it now. And we want it right now. And if it doesn't happen right now, we'll rush to the next thing that promises to give it to us right now. Right now. Can I just tell you that that's just not how growth in Christ happens. There is no character-shaping equivalent to laser eye surgery. There just is none. It takes a process. It takes a process. So how about it? When we think about your soul, when we think about the condition of your soul, your inner life, and you look at those four debilitating distortions, which one resonates with you? And before you say, well, I got all four of them, don't, don't go there. Which one resonates with you? Do you struggle with the fear of vulnerability? A fear of not having enough or not being enough? Do you, do, you fear, do you struggle with the fear of missing out and so you're rushing at such a high pace of life? Do you fear this uncertainty so you want quick fixes? Man, that'd be a really great conversation today at lunch, wouldn't it? Go to lunch today with whoever you're having lunch today and ask them, which one of these four debilitating distortions do you find yourself succumbing to? coming to. Here's the good news. Here's the good news. We can learn to experience an alternative way to these debilitating distortions. The good news is that those debilitating distortions is not the final answer. We can learn to, new, to live a new and an alternative way. When you focus on the life of Jesus and you apprentice yourself in his way, you can learn new patterns of living. Because when you look at Jesus, you see someone who's free from the tangles and the trappings of his world. You see someone who is, has the energy to share, to teach. He's got the room, he's got the margin, and he lives restful and abundant and eternally. In the present, he lives abundantly with this energy. And so when we apprentice ourselves to Jesus, that means we come alongside him, we learn from him, and we're learning the unforced rhythms of grace. And we're learning to be filled with his kind of energy, his grace, his power, his kind of life. To revitalize us so that we can go through the day through what God has called us to do. This is what Nielsen writes. And this is what he says on page 32 of his book. He says this. Imagine for a moment. 
that kind of life, a life of personal freedom and practical hospitality, of reckless generosity and radical compassion, of self-giving service and sacrificial love to all. It is possible. In fact, it has been hardwired into you from the very beginning by your loving creator. Your responsibility is simply avail yourself to the Spirit's transforming power. And that's a good reminder to us. It's a good point to say. That this revitalization, this re-energizing of our life is not man-made. It's not just a self-help, kind of read a self-help book, kind of motivate yourself, talk yourself in the mirror, and come on out for the day. It's the Spirit of God that's going to do something in us. It's the power of the Spirit of God to transform us. That this life is possible. What we do is to make ourselves available to the Spirit's transforming power in our life. We make ourselves available. If you get a chance to read that Ezekiel passage, Ezekiel chapter 37, you'll see that the prophecy, in the prophecy, it is the Spirit of God, the breath of God, that revitalizes these dead and dry bones. It's not the bones themselves. They don't do anything. It's not the, it's not the prophet who goes over and manufactures it. It's the Spirit of God. It's the breath of God that comes in and moves. They have to be receptive to it. Again, thinking about the clay. The clay doesn't become a pot by itself. It's not the clay sitting on the, on the potter's wheel going, I want to be a pot, I want to be a pot, I want to be a pot. <laughs> doesn't look himself in the mirror and go, gosh darn it, people like me. I want to be a pot today. I want to be a mug. The clay has to... <laughs> I don't know why I had that in my mind, Sorry. But the clay has to be available for what the potter is going to make it. Our job is to be available for what the Spirit of God is going to make us, to transform us, to push against these debilitating distortions and to make ourselves available. To make ourselves available. So how do you do that? How do we do that? And again, each week as we go through this series, we're going to lay out a practice for us to do. Too. Because if we're going to learn to live an alternative way than what we've been living, we're going to need to practice some of these things. It's not going to happen overnight. We're going to lean to practice things over time. But I just have two very quick suggestions for us this morning. And the first suggestion for making yourself available is just to read along with us in this book during the season of Lent. Download the book, read along with us. Again, we're not going to go chapter to a chapter, but just read along with us. It's just good for us to collectively read together to make ourselves available. So try and do that with us during this season of Lent. And the second suggestion I want us to do this coming week is to practice the, the discipline of morning prayer. Of morning prayer. And by that, I don't mean some long three-hour prayer that you have to do every morning or anything like that. I'm just going to invite us to a simple rhythm of prayer, of morning prayer. Find a place where you can kind of quiet yourself before things get so hectic and busy during the day. Find yourself just a few minutes to find a corner in the house or a chair in the house. Take a couple deep breaths. Just kind of relax a little bit. Rest into God's presence. And then bring to mind the things that are going to come up that day. The activities that you're going to do, the meetings that you're going to do, the people you're going to meet with, whatever you're going to do that day. Just take a couple deep breaths. Pay attention to what's coming before you that day. And then just utter a very quiet, simple prayer. Whatever's before you, just say something like, Spirit of God, give me patience today. I've got a meeting with someone today. 
Spirit of God, give me patience today. I've got to make a decision today or this week. So take a deep breath and Spirit of God, give me wisdom today. Whatever is laying before you this week, purpose yourself to find a quiet space for just a couple minutes. Take two or three deep breaths and just a short, quiet prayer to say, Spirit of God, give me what I need today. Give me the grace. Give me the patience. Give me the energy. Give me the wisdom. Whatever it is you need for your day. Just make yourself available. And let's just see what happens. Perhaps we'll experience a, a, a sort of starting of a revitalization of our energy that God's breath will speak in and breathe into our dry and weary bones as we avail ourselves to the transforming work of God in our life. Spirit of God, give me what I need today. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we need you. And we recognize that you are the author and the perfecter of our faith. And we also realize that we have run on our own energy for some time. And we need you. We need your grace. We need your power. We need your life in us. Make us available to you. We ask that you speak into ways that we would guard against these distortions that we would recognize ways, roadblocks, or ways in which we have depleted our energy. Give us what we need today to be available to what you're doing. It's in your name we pray. Amen.